Welcome to another Alive at Springwood podcast, brought to you by Springwood Presbyterian Churches, where we don't believe churches are buildings. Churches are people. Disciples of Jesus bound together in diversity by God's love, while pursuing faithfulness and vulnerability, celebration and lament, reading the Bible and prayer. May you be encouraged and God glorified by this edition. Stephen, if you don't know me, I think most of you do. Um, I go to Alive at Nine usually in the mornings here, um, but it's a privilege to be here uh, tonight with you all, um, and it's a privilege to bring God's Word to you as well. Um, It's a great passage that we're looking at tonight, isn't it? Um, Thanks to Jan for reading it. Um, Before we get into it, I just want to say a thank you to all of you, to everyone who have um, wished us congratulations. I thank you for your kind words to Em and I on our engagement. Um, yeah, we are most excited and we most appreciate all of your thanks and congrats. Uh, so thank you. Em um, and I first met here at Alive at Five uh, three years ago on the 29th of July, 2018. Um, many of you were here that night. Um, so Alive at Five does have a special place in our hearts. Um, so it's good to be here with you again this evening. Um, let's keep our Bibles open to First Samuel chapter 3. Um, And before we look at God's word, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we come to you this evening to hear from you. Uh, Please reveal yourself to us. Please speak, Lord, for we, your servants, are listening. May your Holy Spirit open the doors of our hearts and open the windows of our imaginations too. Reveal your word to us this evening through the Holy Spirit so that we may see and glorify our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Far away on a mountaintop is a school where 200 Nepali students go to learn. They ride their bus up the twisting, turning mountain road, um, and then they walk up the slope to reach their school. Every morning before classes, they all gather in the courtyard for their morning prayers, um, They chant words in Nepali, Hindu prayers to their Hindu gods. In March 2004, 17 years ago, I went to this school. Um, I was eight years old and my family and I were living in a small town called Dulikel um, in Nepal. Our our house was over that hill, um, down the other side and then over another hill and then over another hill. Um, So I caught the bus every day up to the school. Um, I remember walking up the path to school. I remember standing in this very courtyard here. In fact, I'm actually in this picture. Um, You may be able to see a blonde head uh, towards the front on the right-hand side. Um, Maybe not. (laughs) I'm a fair way down, Um, but I am there. Um, I remember standing there as an eight-year-old boy uh, with all of these Nepali children around me, um, all of them speaking these prayers Uh, to their Hindu gods. Words are so important, aren't they? The words that we hear and the words that we grow up with are so important. They shape us, they mould us, they slip into our hearts and they plant themselves in our minds. Words influence the way that we see ourselves, the world around us, and especially what we know to be true. It was at this It was as I went to this school in Nepal that I came to understand what I know to be true. 
God revealed himself to me in a personal way. Uh, and it was his words and his spirit um, that moved me. There I am. <laughs> As I looked at my friends around me meditating and praying to their Hindu gods, I could sense the fear in their voices and I saw their unease. I could sense their uncertainty in their prayers. Were they being heard? Would the gods be pleased with them? And as I looked at, their un, at the unmoving uh, statue, lifeless statues, I was struck by how the God that I knew uh, was a living God. He had come to this world as a living, moving, breathing person. And I knew that I could talk to him and, that know, and know him personally and that he wanted to talk to me too. And so I began to memorize Psalm 121. I'm a psalm that many of us know quite well. Up at the school, looking out over the Himalayas, um, while my friends were chanting their prayers towards the small Hindu statues, I quietly whispered God's word. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. These are the words that began to shape and mould me. The words of the Lord that slipped into my heart and planted themselves in my mind. It was a pretty significant uh, moment, I think, in my journey of faith and in my journey of knowing God. God reveals himself to children. He's glad to make himself real to them. In Matthew eleven twenty five, the verse that we just read, um, Jesus says, I praise you, Father. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased, pleased to do. I'm sure many of you can share a story about how God spoke to you as a child um, and began to reveal himself to you through his word. Um, or maybe you can share a story about how one of your own children who taught you something profound about God. In our passage of 1 Samuel today, um, the word of the Lord is revealed to the young boy Samuel. We can't exactly be sure of how old Samuel is um, at this time, um, but scripture puts emphasis on the fact that he is young. He is a boy, probably around 11 years old. It's a profound story of how young Samuel is brought into God's big picture purposes and how he is given God's word to speak to Israel. And so this evening, we're delving into this next part of the, the big story of Scripture. But first, let's look back and see where we've been. Um, I've been doing a few drawings this week, so you may see a few more drawings here on the wall that I've put up. Um, in the beginning, God created a world of wonder and delight, and he created people to fill it and to be fruitful. We've seen how God chose a people to be his treasured possession, how he made a covenant with them to bless them, how he rescued them from slavery on eagles' wings, how his presence was with them in the wilderness, healing them from snake bites, showing them how to be holy, while God himself, his very presence, tabernacled in their midst. We've seen how he brought them to a good land and, he, and how he was with Joshua and all of them to fight for them to give them the land from their enemies. 
But once they got into the land, things don't go very well, do they? In fact, they go very poorly. God's chosen people forget him. They forget the Lord their God and they do not love him with all their heart, with all their soul and strength. God's people have always had a choice, haven't they? The book of Deuteronomy was where Moses laid out that choice. Choose life, he said. Choose life and choose to love the Lord your God. Listen to his words. Impress them on your children. Talk about the word, his words on the road when you lie down and when you get up. The word of the Lord is to be on your hearts. Now choose life. Choose the Lord your God. Choose to love him. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. We also have that choice, don't we? Will we choose life? Will we choose to listen to the word of the Lord? Or will we listen to the words the world is speaking around us? Are we listening to the Lord's words? What words are shaping and moulding you? Words spoken to you perhaps as a child? Um, or even just this week, this past month? What words have been on your mind? Are they bringing you closer to God? Or have they been pulling you further away? The Israelites fell further and further away from God. Just last Sunday, Rod opened up the book of Judges, and we didn't shy away from its troubling account. Judges is confronting. The book of Judges is terrifying in its depiction of human depravity. And most disturbing, too, is that all of these things happen within a few generations of Israel, after Israel occupies Canaan. The Israelites effectively become Canaanites. And Judges ends with the words that in those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. As Rod said last week, it's a troubling summary, a troubling summary of anarchy, lawlessness, death of conscience, and the failure of community. The book of Samuel, it opens in this period of time. Everyone is still doing what is right in their own eyes. The question I find I keep coming back to is, what is God doing? <laughs> what is he doing right now? How can he let this go on? These are his people, his chosen people. How is, how is he going to set them back on the right path? How are they going to choose him again? Well, the end of Judges does hint at what might be to come. It says, in those days, Israel had no king. At the start of Samuel, uh, we're introduced to an important character. Um, her name is Hannah, the faithful prayerful woman who is crying out to God for a son. God answers her prayer with the birth of Samuel. And Hannah dedicates him to the Lord to serve him his whole life. Hannah rejoices in God, praising him as she delights in his deliverance. She is a wonderful woman to begin the book, a surprising woman to begin the book, and a wonderful mother to acknowledge on this Mother's Day too. So let's turn now to 1 Samuel chapter 3. The first thing that we read is that God's voice has not been heard for a long while. Uh, his, as a whole, his people do not know him. We read in verse 1 that in those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, the priest, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying in his usual place. Samuel was there too, lying down in the house of the Lord. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and the ark of God was there too. 
This is God's place, and God is about to appear. This is a great story, isn't it? Did you find yourself on the edge of your seat as we were reading it before, anticipating what is going to happen? In verse 4, the Lord speaks. He calls Samuel, and Samuel says, Here I am. And he runs to Eli. Here I am, Eli, you called me. But Eli says, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So Samuel goes back and lies down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel gets up and he runs a second time to Eli. Here I am, you called me. My son, I did not call you. Go back to bed. The dramatic tension builds for the Lord calls a third time, Samuel. And so he runs the third time to Eli. Here I am, Eli, you called me. It's then that Eli realizes that it's the Lord who's calling Samuel. Go and lie down, Eli says. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel does so. He goes back and he lies down. He waits for the voice again. Is it really the Lord, as Eli, his master, has said? Can you feel yourself anticipating what God is going to say? The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel gets up, but he's uncertain. As the writer tells us back in verse 7, Samuel does not yet know the Lord. He hasn't heard the word of the Lord, not yet. Speak, for your servant is listening, he replies. Notice Samuel doesn't address the voice as the Lord. He doesn't truly know if it's the Lord speaking. But it is the Lord speaking. See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. This message from God, this word of the Lord, it was not an easy one for Samuel to hear. And certainly not for him to tell his master, Eli. You can picture Samuel lying awake for the rest of the night with God's, God's words running through his mind again and again. Certainly his ears were already tingling. For the message was one of judgment on Eli's family, and in particular on Eli's sons. The author is drawing a comparison um, between Eli's wicked sons and Samuel. Samuel, the dutiful, quick to listen, ready to serve, eager young boy. Eli's sons back in chapter 2, verse 12, um, are called scoundrels and have no regard for the Lord. They've been stealing food from the sacrifices to God and they've uttered blasphemies against God and are to be judged by God for their sins. Samuel is tasked with the hard message to speak to Eli, isn't he? It's a hard message. Um, I'm not sure that I could have done so if I was in his place. But Samuel hides nothing from Eli, even though he probably wanted to. On hearing what God said in the vision, Eli replies, Here's the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. This passage is an important turning point in Israel's history, as Bob said before. It's an important moment. An important moment in Samuel's own life too. From this time on, his relationship with God is a constant one, and it is a close relationship. Verse 19 says, the, word was with Samuel, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, 
And he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan, the most northern place, to Beersheba, the most southern place, all of Israel recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. God begins to shape Samuel as to be a prophet who speaks the word of the Lord. He is to be the final judge, uh, to lead the people of Israel for a time. Um, He is to anoint the first king of Israel, Saul. And then when God rejects Saul, uh, Samuel is the one to anoint David to be the next king. I'd encourage you to keep reading the books of Samuel, for they are so well written, they're so well crafted. Um, And they are so significant in the history of Israel and God's big story. It's one of my favourite books of the Old Testament. Samuel is the one to bring in the new era of kings, uh, which we'll be hearing about in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Samuel is the leader, the prophet, the priest who intercedes between God and the people. And he is a figure who anticipates someone who will do all of these things and more. Samuel's birth and his life and his faithfulness uh, to the Lord is pointing forward to the birth and life and faithfulness of Jesus Christ. In 2 Samuel 7, 16, God makes a promise to King David, saying that your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. Jesus is the true prophet, the true king, the one who takes up the kingship and carries it perfectly as he rules with justice and grace. He is sitting on the throne. He is sitting on the throne and his kingdom will endure forever. Jesus is the word revealed to us in Scripture. Now, I'm naturally quite a reserved, uh, quiet person, I think. Um, And as an eight-year-old boy, I probably was even more so. Um, But I often wonder how things might have gone if I had spoken the word of the Lord a little bit louder. Um, And if my friends had heard me speaking and wanted to know more. Imagine if while I was standing there in that school courtyard or or riding the bus up the hill to school, um, imagine if I spoke out out loud the words of Psalm 121. Um, Perhaps one of my Nepali friends, Sanjay or Santosh, uh, sitting or standing beside me, maybe they would have heard me speaking the word of the Lord. It probably would have been the first time in their life that they had heard someone speak God's word. It might have pricked their ears Their ears may even have begun to tingle. I often think back and wonder how God's word might have changed um, a young Nepali child's life in a similar way to how it had changed mine. Um, Having gone back to Nepal as an adult, I've been amazed to see how how the word of the Lord um, really is going out. God is at work bringing people to himself, revealing himself in surprising and powerful ways. Please do keep praying for India and Nepal at this time because what's happening in India is happening in Nepal now too. Not quite on the same scale, but it is starting to happen. Um, In the past three weeks, uh, the cases have shot up and I was reading this morning that two out of five people are now testing positive in Nepal. Um, There have been over 9,000 cases, new cases each day. Um, So please pray that God would give Indian and Nepali Christians hope Um, and that he would keep saving people um, through all of this. Yeah, pray that Christians would be encouraged by seeing the word of the Lord 
powerfully at work, even in the midst of tragedy. Imagine this week if, while you're standing at the school gate, waving goodbye to your children, you see a friend from church, um, and you say to them how good it was to read the word, God's word on Sunday. You start talking about Samuel in the house of the Lord, and about how wonderful it is that God reveals himself to children. You say that even that morning your child said something that, about God that really moved you. Imagine if a non-Christian parent behind you overhears the words that you speak. Their ears may be pricked, and they may even begin to tingle. Imagine this week if while you're at school, one of your friends is being talked down to by another classmate, and you can tell that your friend is hurt inside, but they snap back with their own hurtful comment. Afterwards, you stand with them, and you say that it wasn't nice that that other person said those things. But you say that Jesus endured more hurtful things than that, but he prayed for those who hurt him instead. Imagine if another friend in your group behind you overhears the words that you speak. Their ears may be pricked, and perhaps the Holy Spirit might make them tingle. Imagine this week if, as you sit down, when you sit down beside a hospital bed, you talk to your friend who couldn't make it to church this Sunday. You read with them how the Lord came and stood before the young boy Samuel and spoke to him. You encourage your friend that Jesus is standing right there with them, right there beside them in the hospital, and he is present with them in all of their worries. Jesus is still there with them, even though they are feeling alone. Imagine if, as you say this, another patient in the bed next to you overhears the words that you speak. Their ears may be pricked, for they too are worried and they too are feeling alone. <coughs> Perhaps the Holy Spirit might begin to make their ears tingle. Imagine this week if, as you're in line at IGA, um, feeling weary and burdened after a long day at work, um, a close friend rests their hand, comes up behind you and rests their hand on your shoulder. Ah, oh, what a relief to see their face. You tell them that you've been feeling weary, and they listen intently before encouraging you that Jesus is gladly taking your burdens and giving rest for your soul. Imagine if the person at the cash register overhears the words that your friend speaks. Their ears may be pricked, for they too are feeling weary, and they too are yearning for rest for their soul. They start to think about Jesus. I'd encourage you this week to think about the words that you speak. Who knows who may be listening? When I was at TAFE um, studying visual arts a few years ago, um, one of my classmates had just become a Christian, and her, her heart was alight uh, with the wonder of knowing Jesus. It was quite amazing. Uh, she started talking about him to everyone in the class. Um, as we were painting, as we were drawing, she was just talking to her friends, to the people around her. And I was one of the ones who was overhearing her. Um, within a few months at TAFE, two of our other friends, the people who were listening, came to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Jesus was there. The word of the Lord was there in our midst. Uh, looking back now, I'm still amazed, still amazed at how God works in people's lives and how he reveals himself in surprising ways. The word of the Lord came to Samuel as a boy. 
He grows up and he speaks the word of the Lord to Israel. The word of the Lord has come in Jesus Christ. And the word of the Lord has been revealed to you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit to speak it to others. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage of Scripture, uh, the story of how Samuel was called by you to speak your word to Israel. Lord, we thank you that he did so faithfully, how he was your chosen prophet to anoint King David, and how in Samuel's birth, in his life, and his faithfulness, uh, he anticipates the coming of our true prophet and our true king. Father, we thank you as well for the children that we know. Lord, thank you for their joy and their gladness and their delight in knowing you. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would keep opening their hearts and let your word be planted in their minds so that they, the children that we know and love and care for, Lord, please shape them by your word. Please shape and mould us by your word too. May the children that we know continue to grow in their love for you, Lord Jesus, and may they be bold to speak your word to us. Please soften our hearts to hear what they may say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.